Yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bond? I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir. Yes, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Looks like Mike is back on assignment. Uh, so we, we're going to let him get it in. With that being said, we'll, we'll check on him, make sure it's all is good. Uh, some of you all may be checking out, going, if you have two screens on, uh, keep your volume up here and just watch your screen as HBC Go Sports is uh, in between the CIAA games. They have uh, Claflin at Winston-Salem State. That's third quarter for the women's game. Uh, Winston-Salem State is leading H, uh, Claflin 54 to 23. As that game is going on there, we might have a special in the mix. If we can get Gaither on in between uh, mm -hmm. the two games to kind of give us some insight of what's going on, because this is our mid-major day as we get into the mid-major poll rankings. Um, but we'll have plenty of time, a lot of show left, a lot of information we'll get into. Uh, but we'll start it out as we do. Welcome to episode 364 inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports. For institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture and HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and, more importantly, the business of HBCU sports. We simply call it around here HBCU sports pedagogy. I'm your host, Yada Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, as I said, out on assignment. So Charles Bishop and I are going to bring you the latest and greatest. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in a beautiful home at Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting, educational, consulting, and data analytics. With that being said, let me go to you, Charles. I still like that you have the book pictured right there strategically. Um, front facing, I like what that looks like. But with that being said, what's some of the news that you want to let us know about today? Sure thing. And unfortunately, we're going to start off on a summer note uh, today, Dr. Cavill. Uh, as former Morgan State Athletic Director uh, Floyd Kerr passes away at the age of 76. Uh, and this is a statement from Morgan State, Morgan State University Bears Athletics and the extended Morgan community, all more the loss of former Director of Athletics Floyd Kerr who passed away this past Saturday, uh, February 4th. Uh, Floyd Carr was 76 years old. Of course, he, he served as a university's athletic director uh, from 2005 to 2016, where he oversaw a highly competitive program at Morgan, spanning 15 varsity sports and more than 280 student athletes. During his tenure, Morgan's men's basketball racked up three league championships, finishing the top of regular season standings, and eventually proceeded to win the MIAC 
championships. And in 2014, uh, the Bears football team reclaimed its first MAG title in 35 years under the co-championship nod during the memorable uh, return to greatness season. Of course, for many of us uh, here in the Southwestern Athletic Conference uh, territory, uh, we knew Floyd Kerr from his time uh, as the athletic director at Southern University, where he helped guide the Jaguars through stadium renovations at Mumford, uh, as well as numerous uh, NCAA academic reforms from 2000 to 2005. He also was vital to Southern's uh, athletics fundraising, helping implement the first Jagathon. So definitely want to start off uh, in memoriam with regards to Floyd Kerr. Let's take a moment of silence. Um, before do that, I had a chance to really get to um, talk, know, grow and learn on the Floyd Kerr um, as we uh, worked on a couple of projects that he was trying to get done over the years. And he certainly would share great information that kind of gave me some of my groundswell, uh, understanding the nature of the leadership and administrative aspect of HBCUs, uh, both in the SWAT and the MEAC, as you talked about at the Division One. FCS level. So it was significant to have that time with him. Brilliant and bright man in terms of that. Um, and you see it reflecting in his ability to garner championships at both those institutions that you last talked about that happen to be HBCUs. With that said, let's take a moment of silence uh, on behalf of the family and HBCU programs to celebrate Floyd Kirk. With that said, we're going to stay in that general DMV area, Virginia State, 2020-23 football schedule announced. Uh, I happen to also be familiar with the head coach there, Dr. Henry Frazier, the third mm. time here at Prairie View, leading us to a championship, um, conference championship at the time. Uh, uh, was significant. We got a chance to really uh, get the insight <laughs> on the football administrative side. So it's just weird how life plays these things on you and how they sync up. And this was not necessarily planned, but uh, uh, as we all know, sometimes the best things are not those things that we directly plan. Let's get into it. Uh, Virginia State 2023, we talked about and heard about the new sports programs they're doing, but more traditionally the football program, they announced the schedule there. Starting out, Virginia State kicks off 2023 season. The road faces Little State, as they like to call it around that, the Spartans of Norfolk State University. And those folks are familiar with the CIWA, <laughs> uh, VSU, Virginia State is the founding school, while Virginia State uh, comes much later, even though Norfolk State operates at the Division I FCS level, VSU at the Division II level. It's good that they, early on in their schedule, make sure everybody knows what they think of Norfolk State. So that's not me. That's what uh, Virginia State uh, VSU has listed out. September 9th, the Trojan will host their season opener against the Pioneers of Tuscaloosa. Uh, should be a solid game there, chance to make a statement in non-conference play. Uh, then they follow up in Raleigh, North Carolina against St. Augustine. Uh, then they land Troy on September 23rd and take on Blue Bears of Livingston. The conference opener is set for 6 p.m. at Rogers Stadium. Uh, two weeks on the road action, we'll have them traveling to Shaw University, Bowie State University. Uh, it's a very solid program mm. schedule. Uh, then a couple of weeks as they get on to it against Vikings of Elizabeth City State on 21st. And then on October 28th, they have what they call the Senior Day action 
where they take on Lincoln University Lions. Both matchups are set for 2 p.m. Uh, in terms of this early season. Rounding out the regular season, Virginia State will travel I-95 to face that longtime rival, rivals of Panthers of Virginia Union. University that won the CIAA last year for 108, check that out, over 100 years of football action uh, will take place between these two rivals as it is the 108th football matchup set for November 4th, CIAA football championship, which lets you know that's what their goals are, would be 11, November 11th, and then you have the playoffs starting November 18th as they uh, plan to stretch it all out. So good stuff. What do you thought talks about this schedule? CIAA, that Northern Division, has been fierce for the last decade. Obviously, it's been ruled by Bowie State. Mm-hmm. Last year, we seen Virginia put their foot in there. And before mm-hmm. Bowie State kind of took off, it was the land of Troy, Virginia State. So it looks like they're trying to take their rightfully place, at least as they believe, to get back in the top part of the Northern Division where a great deal of action is in the depth uh, so much in terms of them dominating their championship play against the Southern Division, the South Division, as they like to say in those parts. What are your thoughts? Well, we know uh, it doesn't take uh, Henry Frazier long. We know him as a, a program builder. And, uh, of course, uh, with regards to Virginia State, uh, for them to, to, to scratch back into the the, the, the the top there of the Northern Division, uh, they had that uh, – Virginia Union tried to go through uh, last year. No, no more Jada Byers here at Virginia Union. So we'll see what Virginia State can do uh, going forward. But uh, impressive-looking schedule. And, and and with regards to the North, uh, the, the two teams that jump out for me, Bowie State and, of course, Virginia Union in terms of those teams on the schedule. So we'll see how that goes forward with the Trojans and, and see can they uh, claw their way back to the championship game. I like that. All their way back, but will they wield the mighty? Sh- uh, oh, mill, mill the wield the mighty sword. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it chopped yeah. down. Yeah, uh, those invaders. With that being said, uh, what other news do you want to share? Yeah, let's take a look at the SWAC uh, uh, players of the week. We'll start on the women's side of the ball as the SWAC has tabbed Jackson State's Daphne White and Florida AM's mighty. Uh, Oriomi for, for the Sweat Women's Basketball Weekly Honors for their outstanding performances this past week. White posted back-to-back impressive outings this past week of competition as the Lady Tigers went 2-0 with wins over Mississippi Valley State and all of them respectively. She averaged a league-leading 21 points per game to go along with 10.5 rebounds. White shot 73% from the field and also contributed to blocks. Uh, Oriyami led the Rattlers. Uh, she was the impact player of the week. She led the Rattlers with 16.7 rebounds and two steals during the Rattlers contest at Prairie View uh, uh, on this past Monday, as well as Texas Southern. She tallied 16 points, four assists, and added two steals during Florida AM's road win over Texas Southern this past Saturday. So for the week, she averaged 16 points per game and two and a half assists, as well as two steals per game. So those are your women's uh, basketball weekly honors there as they uh, honor Daphne White and Miss Oriana. Yeah, great accolades for all those that were honored this week. You obviously have a Jackson State player that just continues to dominate. I got a chance on HBC Nightly to talk a little bit about Jackson State. You know, after they lost the Prairie View, they won seven straight. Of those seven games, the margin of victory has been just under 18. 17.8, I think it was. <laughs> have four 20-plus victories, and the last one they just said, well, let's do some more damage. They had a 35-point 
victory. So um, they are rolling as they have gotten in conference play and they are making a statement. So it'll be interesting to follow in terms of what that looks like. Back to a little bit of football uh, as we talk about the schedule. I'm a big Ben. HBCU Football Award, uh, we'll be announcing that soon. So I wanted to kind of represent and get people excited and tease it out. Uh, we will be announcing the Big Ben Awards to let you know what that looks like uh, in terms of the finalists and then who uh, comes away with award. Um, shouldn't be much surprising anybody in terms of what is looking like in terms of who will ultimately win it. But the finalists may catch your interest in terms of who's up to the race in terms of that. Remember, the award is connected um, in terms of the state of Texas, honoring Big Ben, great uncle of mine that played in the SWAC at Wiley College in the 1920s, the first decade that the SWAC kicked off its great illustrious history that has left a legacy of over 100 years, uh, which is amazing when we talk about the length and lifespan of this great conference. Uh, with that being said, it is connected again with the state of Texas, uh, HBC player that was either born in the state of Texas or played his football uh, with a team from the state of Texas that calls home. So just wanted to give a little shout out and look forward to that. With that being said, I'm going to kick it back to you and go back and see what's some other news that you want to talk about. Yeah, we'll turn it back to basketball. We'll take a look at the SWAC men's uh, basketball weekly honors of Southwestern Athletic Conference as tab. Texas Southern's John Walker III and Mississippi Valley State's Terry Collins uh, for Swag Men's Basketball Weekly Honors for their outstanding performance. Let's take a look at John Walker uh, the third, who averaged 23.5 points per game this past week. Competition for Texas Southern shot 68% from the field, 17 of 25, and was 12 of 16 from the free throw line during Texas Southern's two games this past week. Uh, Walker also averaged four rebounds per game to go with two assists and one steal. Impact Player of the Week was Terry Collins. He was a key contributor for Mississippi Valley State this past week of competition as Valley captured a key conference road win over Jackson State this past Saturday for the week. He averaged 23 points per game while also contributing six and a half rebounds per game. Uh, for the week, Collins shot 59% from beyond the arc while averaging three assists per game. So those were your men's player of the week and impact players of the week for the SWAC. Good stuff, good stuff. Let me give a shout out to some of the lab listeners that's joined us uh, for the show today. Uh, Theron Waters representing uh, Bethune-Cookman University, Hell Wildcats. I like that. Mary Allen, HBCU Land, Carol Keeler. Uh, good evening, Lab PV in the house, in the building. Emma Price, Ricky Burton uh, in here checking us out. Uh, Christopher White, shout out to Christopher White. Silas Edward McMorris, good evening, everyone. He has the purple and gold hearts there, letting know. Uh, his thoughts on the day. Chuck Hunt, Wendy Jenkins Bishop, is making sure that she supports us and sending us a love. Brandon King, represent Tennessee State. Tennessee State must have won a couple of basketball games. <laughs> Shout out to Brandon King. I see Tennessee State is back in the basketball business this season. Big weekend for them, man. They got some big matchups. They have a chance where they played the number two team currently in the standings. And then uh, on that's Thursday and then on Saturday, they face off with the number three team. So they get a chance maybe to mix things up, make a statement. And then the number one team and the number two team play each other as well. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of the OBC after this week. Will Tennessee get a chance to really kind of make the next step to see if they're going to be a serious player 
uh, towards the end of the season in the OBC. Shout out to Brandon King. Good evening, Professor and HBCU fan. No doubt about it. Virginia State is about to start winning championships with Coach Frazier. I wouldn't doubt it, Meg Morris. I, I agree with you. I've seen that action before. G. Boom Holly ending the week in the lab. I like it. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go in this direction uh, before we go to this first break. Lincoln, Missouri, we talked about them last week, right, as they had mm -hmm. made a conference move, Great Lakes Valley Conference as all-conference, uh, full-time membership. As they did that, they also are reviving their baseball program mm -hmm. uh, after they joined the Great Lakes Valley Conference, if you would, as full members. I should not just necessarily rejoin, but restarting the program. Statement for the president, Dr. John Mosley, president of Lincoln University, quote is saying, this is a significant day for the future of Lincoln University. This puts us in a position athletically where we level the playing field by realigning ourselves uh, with other similar size and similar physical commitments. This will also give us the opportunity to compete, recruit in the areas where Lincoln already has a large alumni base. Quote, also for me personally, bringing baseball back is special. It's a sport that had a lot of history here at Lincoln, so I'm excited about its return. Soccer is a growing sport and will give us a chance to have an international presence. The baseball program was started in 1970 will return in Lincoln after being discontinued following the 2016 season. The team will play in its home games at the Vivian Field, the home of Jefferson City Renegades, a member of the Mink Collegiate ba uh, Baseball League. Lincoln Blue Tigers currently compete in, in Division II. They have been a member of the Mid-American Intercollegiate Athletic Association since 2010. A statement from Dr. Kevin Wilson, LU Vice President for Advancement Athletics and Campus Recreation. Quote, Commissioner Nambovic, uh, his stellar team and the evaluation committee were overwhelmingly encouraging throughout the entire process, end quote, said Dr. Kevin Wilson. On behalf of our dedicated student athletes, faculty, staff, alumni, and administration, we're humbled to become the 15th member of such a competitive conference. Our shared values and mission truly result in a much made in the Midwest. We look forward to all of our athletic programs calling GLVC Hall in 2024. So if you, we've seen this a little bit. So I wanted to ask you a little bit of your thoughts on this. We've seen this more at the Division II level and NIA level where you see uh, these institutions, particularly HBCUs, adding sports. We've seen it baseball, seen some lacrosse, women's soccer, men's soccer to some degree, gymnastics even. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, – the thoughts that were shared here, particularly baseball, Lincoln University, and just overall in regards to seeing these HBCUs restart or start these new programs in areas of sport that may not, at least recently, uh, been what you've seen at the Division II level for HBCUs. Because over five years ago, we've seen baseball programs that were closing. Now you mm -hmm. see some coming back. You see, yeah. obviously, these other sports that have not been connected with HBCUs what are your thoughts on the momentum that I see taking place at HBCUs, particularly at the Division II NAIA? Well, that's exactly what it is. It's momentum. And what, what catches me is uh, uh, it's significant anytime you restart a program, but you see a future. You see a future in terms of the development uh, of the sport at, on your campus. Uh, that's the thing that, uh, you, you know, from a strategic standpoint, uh, you, you see this uh, a continuum. Uh, of keeping this sport around. So I think that's significant, especially in regards to uh, sports that you might not uh, immediately think of 
we we mentioned gymnastics uh uh there at fist but uh especially baseball baseball near and dear to my heart uh anytime you can get that program back up and going and you can recruit and find players to come to the program of course lincoln is, is on a hotbed of 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 a great baseball action there uh, within that state. So uh, hopefully it is something that you take a look at with regards to uh, not, not only them starting that program, but it having that continuum that you would love to see in regards to getting uh, kids to come there and play uh, this magnificent game that I call baseball. Well said. With that, this is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. We'll go to our first break, come back on the other side, release the mid-major poll rankings on the women's side. See what your thoughts, see what Charles says uh, is going on. See if there's any changes this week in the mid-major. Week number five, let you know what's going on uh, at the mid-major level. We'll be right back after this break. As we say that, going into the fourth quarter with nine minutes, just over nine minutes left, Salem State is leading Clafford 61 to 31. Another one of those 30-point blowouts that we hmm. saw this past week, you know, Monday, at least one team. Had. Well, we'll talk about that later. Uh, we'll be right back after this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love laugh and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Charles, we're going to get into the mid-major rankings. Shivery's not done so dead, so we're going to start with the women's ranking. 
and week number five. I want to see what your thoughts are in terms of what's going on here. We're going to start with those teams receiving some votes. Savannah State Tigers sit at 14-6, 10-5. as 10 points. Miles Bear is also receiving votes sitting at 14-6, 10-5. They have nine points. Florida Memorial Alliance sit at 14-5, 8-3. That's six points. That's the SIC, SIC, and uh, team at the NIA level. We didn't have a team that dropped out of this week. That team that's receiving votes in terms of what that looks like. Uh, Florida Memorial Alliance sitting at 14-5, 8-3. Uh, we'll get into that. Let's get into the top five of those teams moving out and moving around. Uh, at number five, we have none other than Florida Memorial sitting at 15-7, and 9-3. They were not ranked as they jump into the poll rankings this week. Uh, as they continue to march down the street. Uh, uh, Florida Moral played some good basketball, got some big wins. Uh, they continue to get things done in a lot of ways. We'll see what that looks like as they continue. And number four, uh, as we move on, we have Russ Bears. They fell from number two. They were 16-4, 9-1, 35 points. Had a tough weekend. They had the game against Philander Smith. Philander mm. Smith. Uh, was coming in there. It was uh, at Russ, but Philander Smith got the upset in some people's eyes, which caused the Russ Bearcats out of the uh, NAIA Gulf Coast Athletic Conference to drop two spots, bringing us to number three. At number three, we have West Virginia State. Yellow Jackets continue to roll. They stay at number three, 17 and four, 12 and four. They split one win and a loss this weekend. So you see they were able to head steady as things continue to roll and move forward. With that being said, let's go into number two as we continue to move up the rankings this week. Fayetteville State Broncos, 14-6, and 10-2, had a great week in the CIAA where it's always tough. They move up two spots uh, to get it done and just kind of to continue to move up the rankings, bringing us to number one. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody as they just continue to play good yeah. basketball, dominate it. On a precedented winning streak, they improved to 19 and three this past weekend. They're 16 and 0, undefeated in conference play. Uh, you had two of them. Russ was previously undefeated until they ran into that buzzsaw of Philander Smith. But all the kudos go to the Golden Tigers of Tuskegee. The Golden Tigers are number one in this week ranking, week number five. Uh, they have 60 points, all six first place votes. They're getting it done. What are your thoughts in terms of the poll rankings in week number five, Charles? No problem with number one with Tuskegee. They're playing probably the best basketball right now. But it's uh, four and five that I'm kind of taking a look at. Uh, Russ, I, I, well, it was a week of upsets. Russ getting upset with Atlanta Smith. I understand them dropping, but it was five that I'm really paying attention to with regards to Florida Memorial and uh, Lincoln, Pennsylvania. They both kind of have – identical record. So the question becomes for me is the stronger team. Who becomes who is the stronger team? Florida Memorial or Lincoln? Both similar records. How significant was Lincoln's loss by double digits this past week when they've been they you know were atop the CIAA uh North. So that was that was my only you know you. bit of you know contention there. Uh but that that was a, a significant shocker because they had won like 10 in a row, and then all of a sudden you have this clunker where they couldn't throw the ball into the to the ocean and they lost by double digits uh, this past week to Elizabeth City. So that, that was the only curious uh, one that I was kind of taking a look at this past week. Well, you know, that, that happens when you you get those kind of losses 
um, they, they put you in trouble, especially when you talk about a top five and you're yeah. putting NIA and NCAA Division II in there. It makes it much more competitive. Yeah. Uh, so it gives you a lot of strength. And right now, I give you a lot of credit to Tuskegee being able to stay at number one because there's a lot of teams fighting in there. And those teams that are in their top five and keep it rolling, uh, incredible work in terms of what goes on there. So it's interesting. Let me ask you this when you talk about the women's uh, rankings, polls at the NIA um, level, NCAA Division II. Uh, what have you seen just in general in terms of the basketball being played uh, within the women's? Uh, and before you do that, let me give you an ups- update here. Winston-Salem State is really taking it to Claflin, Charles, 74 to 41. Four mm. minutes left here. So mm, uh, one of those statement games for Winston-Salem State, uh, as the fans are out there in the mix, the little band box you're talking about, they get into it and having some fun. But back to the question, what are your thoughts and what you've seen at the Division II level in NIA? Did you give a leg to maybe NIA this year over Division II uh, or not? I think you probably can make a strong argument with regards to NIA uh, over Division II. Uh, although I had an opportunity to look at Tuskegee up close, tremendous basketball team. Uh, they play tremendous defense and they rebound. I, you know, I always take a look at uh, second chance uh, second chance points. So Tuskegee, uh, they are one of the tops uh, in the SIC uh, with regards to going up, getting offensive rebounds, and keeping possessions alive. Uh, but you can make an argument, especially looking at the polls, uh, and I've, I've, I've commented on the past two, three weeks where we got some NAIA teams sitting in front of uh, CIAA team. So that was always kind of curious to me with regards to the strength of a Russ Bearcats or, or or taking a look at the strength of a Florida Memorial. So uh, it's been some, you can make an argument this year, the NAIA uh, teams are a little stronger than especially the teams in the CIAA North and South. Good points. Great points, actually. Let's take this uh, halftime break, if you would. We'll come back on the other side, get into the men's poll rankings, give you some thoughts in terms of what's going on the men's side as well. Uh, as we do that, we have Wendell Davis joining us. Brother Davis is jumping in the house. Uh, uh, McMorris says, Virginia State, as he talked about, uh, pushing forward. Um, and so a lot of good dialogue going on in the mix here. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this second break. 2002 Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. 
Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E.com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball, So listen to Professor Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HTC Sports Lab. Time to turn the page and we we'll go to the men, mid majors in week number five. We have a team that dropped out, so we do have some changes here. So See what Charles thinks in terms of what is taking place in week number five at the mid-major level. See if there's any change at the top. Maybe there's a little bit of a hint. Receiving votes this week, though, is a gluttony of teams. Starting with Savannah State Tigers sitting 15 and 7, 13 and 5, 24 points. Behind them, Winston-Salem State Rams sitting 16 and 5, 23 points. Miles Golden Bears follow up at 17 and 6, 13 and 5 with 13 points. And then holding up the back end of those four teams receiving votes, none other than Tuskegee Golden Tigers sit at 17 and 7, 12 and 5. Let you know how tough the poll rankings are when you had that great game that you saw between Tuskegee and Miles, and they can't even get in the top five. We did have a team that fell out this week that had an SIEC, Savannah State Tigers, 15 and 7, 13 and 5, while they still are at the top of the East term division of the SIEC. They had a Tough loss this last weekend, uh, and it pushed them out as we get into the top five programs. Let's go to number five. At number five, we have Claflin Panthers uh, jumped into the top five after a big week, finishing at seven and four, eight and four as they rolled the dice, 43 points out of the CIAA, which means that you'll have a matchup between Winston-Salem State and now top five program in Claflin Panthers uh, just coming up. Uh, on the other side as you have a minute, a little under two minutes left in the game currently being played by Winston State State Claflin with the women of leading Claflin 78-43 for the Rams. Let's get back into it at number four. At number four, you have Flanders Smith Panthers, 18-3, and 8-2, and two, playing some really good basketball. They move up mm. the spot from last week with 53 points as they continue to roll. Bring us to number three. At number three this week, 
is none other than the Virginia Union Panthers. Uh, they add a first-place vote this weekend. They stay at number three, but they do add that vote. 19-5, 9-3, 61 points, so they shrink the lead to getting into number two. As we get into the number two poll rankings, a little Whoa. change here. Langston Lions dropped number one spot. They have a loss. They have a lot of injuries. They're still one of the best teams out there. And if they can get healthy, they're going to make a deep run in the NIA tournament. But the way the poll rankings do it, you lost, you got to pay the cost. Second loss over the last two and a half weeks, if you would, they dropped the – check this out, 22-2. and two. Yeah, they're still playing some good basketball. 16-2 overall. And they have two first-place votes, so some folks do still think they should be number one, but not enough as they fall from the number one spot for 74 points this week. Bring us to the new number one. You have none other than two Bulldogs out of Mississippi, 22-1, and 10-0 in the conference rate, five first-place votes, 79 points, preacher rank number two, another NIA program getting it done. Man, can you think about a matchup in the NIA tournament that features Langston and Tougaloo? Tougaloo. Tougaloo is playing some really good basketball. As I said, this is a week-to-week poll. So while Tougaloo, some people will argue in terms of the competition they played, they've done what they're supposed to do in terms of victories. Um, their only two losses are against non-NAA programs. So they're actually undefeated in NAA play as a gentleman – uh, talked about on HBCU Nightly and, and shouted that out, uh, which was some great information in terms of what that looks like. And that was William Payne, uh, coach out there, getting it done, giving his top five NIA programs. So he, he had Langston at number one steal and Tougaloo at number two, but he gave a lot of credit to both. I see it a little differently in terms of the poll rankings and the voters, none other than Tougaloo Bulldogs. So I want to hear what your thoughts on this three of the five teams in the top five for the men's are from the NAIA. Two I was of them the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference yeah. in terms of what's going on. So if nothing else, there's certainly some good basketball being played in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, particularly on the men's side. Not to say anything about SIAC. We know what they do in the CIAA, but some of that is because they beat each other up. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how that plays out when you get the NCAA bid or NAA bid, who will go the furthest which will may have an indication of where teams fall at the end. But in this week, shout-out goes to two Blue Bulldogs as they move to number one in rankings in week number five. Charles, what are your thoughts? Well, let's talk about the strength of the NAIA. You talk about two Blue uh, moving into to the number one slot, 22-1. and one, And then Philander for, for Smith, is, as great as they're playing basketball, they're looking up. At Tougaloo. Uh, and keep this in mind, Doc, the uh, GCAC tournament will be in Jackson uh, there on, uh, on the campus of Tougaloo. So uh, that's going to be huge when you take a look at uh, uh, that, that conference championship. But uh, what jumps out for me with this top five poll, you have the top two teams in the uh, SIAC East, top two teams in the SIAC West. They're locked out. They're locked out of the top five. We're talking about Benedict at 13 and five, Savannah State at 13 and five. Uh, good records, 15 and nine, 15 and seven, respectively overall. They're still locked out of that top five. Uh, you're talking about uh, Virginia Union playing some great basketball. They're looking up at the NAIA program with regards to Tulu. So uh, that's a good poll. That being said, I appreciate it. With that being said, same question I asked you on the 
women's side, is it the same? Does it change up a little bit for you when you look at it in terms of the lenses of men's basketball when you compare NCAA Division II and NAIA program? Um, obviously, uh, when I told you about William Payne, some of the things he talked about the NAIA, he talked about Langston. As you know, we followed last year when he was over there at Talladega and ran, uh, made a run to uh, the NAIA final losing to a eventual champion that was out of his conference where they had the four losses. Their only four losses all season was to the same team that ultimately won the championship. One thing about that team that I didn't realize, and I was digging in it, that coach did not play his best player in terms of his leading score in that matchup. Some personal discipline things, uh, just didn't like uh, the way things were going, so he sat him out. You don't see that much in the championship game. Uh, when you just talk about something personal. But also with that being said, he talked about like Langston and Talladega last year, how solid mm -hmm. they were. They actually had nine Division One players on it. Yeah. We know there was the, a lot the of level of talent. Players, but I didn't quite yeah. know the nine. Uh, with that saying, you do see some at the Division Two, but it seemed like you, you've seen some of these coaches able to get some really good talent in their programs. What are you saying the difference is between NIA NCAA Division II on the men's program? Uh, I think you touched on it. It's the level of talent. Uh, and maybe the precursor to uh, this upcoming, this season was the fact that uh, we go all the way back to November, Tougaloo knocked off Jackson State in, you know, what was deemed, you know, a, a scrimmage game, preseason game, whatever the case might be. But it probably should have given you a, a look-see into the, the, the strength of that program's uh, specifically going into this season. So for them to be number one at this point in the season, for them to be 22-1, and one, might not be as much of a surprise. But I, I tell you what, uh, these, these uh, NAIA programs, uh, they're holding their own, and, and they're locking out some some pretty doggone good basketball programs in terms of your top five. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, you know, look a little deeper in terms of that. Are there any key matchups between any of these teams or just in general, somebody – that you're looking at, that you're saying, you know, regarding Langston with the injuries, you see them being able to get it together to close out the season long, uh, strong, I should say, or anybody, the CIAA, give the edge to Claflin to find a way to get it right, or Winston-Salem State. That's why I'm loving this matchup tonight to give you some Yeah, I was about to say, that's going to be a fun uh, matchup tonight. Fun matchup tonight with Winston-Salem State and Claflin, but uh, Virginia Union, you know, traditionally a strong basketball program. Uh, definitely taking a look at them going down the stretch. Uh, they've won seven in a row uh, now. Uh, but it, what, what I think we touched on a little bit earlier with regards to that GCAC tournament, uh, some matchups that I'm really looking forward to. Anytime for Landon Smith and Tugaloo get together now, uh, you're talking about two top five programs uh, within the poll. Uh, they're going to fight it out for supremacy and going forward. And then uh, you talk about Langston with the injuries for them to continue to be chugging along. Uh, that speaks a lot about their coaching and their program. Good stuff, good stuff. Let's go in. Let's break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about some key matchups. Uh, we'll take a deep dive. Before. We'll look at the NIA, NCA, and we'll go in uh, both Division Two and one this weekend as you have some key matchups. So I want to see what uh, Charles thinks on the other side. We'll talk about some of the big games that you need to keep your eyes on this weekend. We'll talk about uh, where to go in terms of HBCU go matchups. Um, they'll have Saturday games and Monday games, so we'll give you an update of what that looks like. We'll come back on the other side 
and give you just a little more about the HBCU basketball season. Things are going strong. Looking up should be interesting as we're getting close. Remember, in just two weeks, you have the CIAA basketball. And then a week after that, uh, when I say basketball, I'm talking about the basketball tournament. And a week after that, you have the SIEC. Following the week after that, you get into that MEAG and SWAC. So things are closing up, and some places are getting tighter. Some other places get spread. Uh, but it'll be fascinating as we go down the stretch just to see what happens and who's hot and who's not. Stickers will be right back after this last break. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. From novice to aficionado. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Charles Bishop as we give you a breakdown. Let's get into some of our independent programs. We have an old rivalry matchup here on one side. But let me give you the score here first. We got Tennessee State. Um, they're at home, but they're trailing uh, to Southeast Missouri State, 50-39 to 39 with 6-10 left in the third quarter. Um, you got Tennessee State that comes in at 8-14. They've been struggling on the women's side this year. Southeast Missouri State is coming in at 9-14 uh, in terms of some of the key players in this matchup. Tennessee State is getting the bulk of their scoring from uh, Haynes Overton, uh, Erica uh, that has scored 13 points uh, in the game thus far as uh, trying to hold it in and, and put in the work. But she's the only player in double digits to let you know in some ways how Tennessee State uh, Tigers are struggling in terms of that matchup as they uh, get into the midpoint of the third quarter there. Um, in another matchup that is fascinating, Hampton is uh, looking to see if they can do an upset of A&T uh, mm. or up. 53 to 48 with 455 in the fourth. This game was close the last time they kind of played there, but AT was able to get it done. Obviously, AT comes in there 15 and 7. They're leading the Colonial 
Um, so this would be tough in terms of if they can't find a way to come back, particularly being at home, getting a loss. Be a uh, huge upset. Yeah. 53 to 48. Talk a little bit about in terms of these matchups uh, on the women's side or how it's going on. Just just your general uh, thought process in terms of those scores. Um, any indication when A&T and Hampton, you can focus a little more on that because that's the major one if uh, Hampton yeah, I, is able to pull off that upset. Yeah, the question becomes uh, what happened to A&T if Hampton is able to pull off that upset? Uh, that's huge coming into uh, uh, to A&T and, and trying to get that W. So keeping an eye on that one going forward. But uh, you take a look at some, some uh, matchups this weekend that are intriguing to me, uh, definitely. Uh, if you take a look at the SWAT Prairie View, uh, going to Southern this weekend, uh, that should be a one that sh- I'm going to definitely keep my eye on. I, I think anytime a top team uh, such as Jackson State uh, get- goes on the road and gets into a hostile environment, uh, it'll be interesting at least to see what happens. We know Jackson State has been just been playing lights out basketball. Nobody has been even re- relatively close to them, but uh, it's always interesting to see what happens when you go on the road, get into a hostile environment, and they go uh, to Florida this weekend, take on Florida A&M. Um, two teams that are very much improved uh, uh, this season. Good points. Good points when you talk about some of those key matchups. What's interesting to me with the Prairie matchup? This is one of the ones where you got to look at it in terms of the men's and women's game. Mm-hmm. For different reasons there. Uh, women are fighting out. They're in the middle. So you're talking about seedings. Can you find a way to push to the second and third seed? Certainly want to get into that fourth seed. Um, so you're playing teams at the bottom of the conference. And you got everybody kind of stacked in the middle. On the men's side, you're talking about uh, Prairie View, along with a couple of other teams, where they're fighting to make sure they stay in that top eight to get in there. Southern wants to rectify the fact that they just are on a two-game losing streak. They want to bounce back and see if they can find a way to climb back in their first place. They do have the head-to-head matchup at Alcorn. They only play once. So if they can find a way uh, to to maintain it and Alcorn takes another loss, they at least have the number one seed. They'll have to share the regular season championship, but they'll have the number one seed. So to me, that prayer view is something to keep your eyes on in terms of what that looks like when you – Talk a little bit about those key matchups on that side of things. Uh, the other other side of it in terms of that means you have Texas Southern playing Alcorn. Um, and same, similar type of thing. Uh, yeah. They're talking about trying to figure out how do they get some momentum to at least come up in that eight seed. Maybe they're playing some good basketball at the end. Can they make a run in the tournament? Or is this going to be that, that, that weird year this, where you have a team? This could be the dagger. The yeah. finish. Uh, in a way that they won't even make uh, the top eight in terms of tournament. Talk a little bit about your thoughts in terms of the struggle of Texas Southern this year because you had a chance to kind of watch them here and there uh, being in the arena. Yeah, I I think that's been the biggest surprise, just the inconsistency uh, with regards to Texas Southern because one of the things that you always are able to take a look at with Texas Southern is they score. Uh, they never have an issue with regards to uh, scoring the basketball. And I've been somewhat surprised that they will have these lulls this this season, uh, where there's been injuries that have uh, taken uh, place on the team. I know they've had some injuries with regards to point guard position, but uh, they get into some ruts and then they can't get stops. And that's the thing that's been really, really surprising watching Texas Southern this past season in terms of not being able to hold off uh, teams when they go on these 6-0, 8-0 runs. 
and they, they kind of collectively just kind of get into this rut. So that's been uh, something that has, you know, really caught my eye with regards to watching this Texas Southern basketball team. They just haven't been as sharp as we are used to watching. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about the old road trips where you have Southern and Auburn, but obviously now you go state to state, so it's actually grammar. But it's playing really good basketball, which makes it even tougher in a lot of ways from all corners uh, versus that in those matchups. So fascinating what sees going on there. You have Jackson at FAMU, all corner at Bethune-Cookman, Alabama State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, Texas Southern at Gramlin, Prairie View Southern, Alabama at, at uh, Mississippi Valley State. That's Saturday matchups. Uh, on Monday, you know it flips. So that means you have Alabama A&M at Pine Bluff, Jackson State at Bethune-Cookman, Alcorn State at FAMU, Alabama State at Mississippi Valley, Texas Southern at Southern. I lay that all out. I want to stick with the man for a minute here. You know, you always talk about that Monday action. Do you see any game on Monday that people need to watch out for in terms of the proverbial upset? Or do you see something actually happening on Saturday with some of those key matchups? If I had to tell you, I asked you, what is the game that you want to keep your eyes on in terms of that upset? particularly on those Mondays where it always gets fun. Be careful and watch out for Alcorn at Florida A&M on Monday. That one is uh, very intriguing. Uh, I've you know, looked at some things with regards to Florida A&M. Uh, they have a couple of guys that can flat score the basketball. They play good defense. That's one that uh, is very intriguing. And, and I, we, we've talked about uh, the parity within this league. There isn't that big a separator from the teams that are uh, eight and three and six and five. So I would say uh, Florida A&M is definitely that second tier uh, sort of team uh, that that has the ability, like we saw this past weekend, to knock off a team that is in the top tier, uh, or especially with regards to those top one, two, or three teams. Talking about all corn Southern and Brown. Yes, yes. Let's turn on the other side and go back to those independents. We switched over and talked a little bit about the men. We gave you some updates in terms on the women's side. Uh, as we look at it, Tennessee State is in a unique position. I kind of discussed this a little earlier. They won three straight, so they're playing relatively good basketball. So it's a big game for them tonight. Um, obviously, just like uh, you heard with the women, they play Southeast Missouri State. And Southeast Missouri State is sitting in the second spot with 8-4 and four record. They're one game behind Morehead that leads the OVC. Um, and so that's who they play, and they have them at home with Tennessee State sitting at 6-6 six and six in the conference, obviously 14-11 overall, as you saw the record. This is a chance. Do you think Tennessee State may have a little bit of momentum? Can they get this game at home? They've been scoring well. The guards are playing well, getting some nice post plays, moving the ball, playing a little better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of Tennessee State Tigers? Is that just a, a thought process of who they were playing of late? Or have they yeah. changed things around and kind of rebounded for how they started the season, which was red hot? Can they make a move in this conference play? I told you what they see on tonight, so I, I'm interested in kind of keeping my eyes and watching that. But not, not only that, then they turn around on Saturday and they got Tennessee Tech game at home as well. Tennessee Tech in terms of the standings, uh, Tennessee Tech, sits at 7-5, along with SIUE at Southern Illinois' Evansville at 7-5, as well as UT Martin. So you see it's a, a lot of teams not too far away. Three games separate a team, Tennessee State, from first place. 
But they have a huge weekend, and I think we need to keep our eyes off, especially with them coming off three victories. Talk about yeah. Tennessee State. What do you see? What 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 you want to keep your eyes on? And why that matchup should be intriguing for many of us. Well, I've been curious in terms of what 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 the turnaround has been with regards to Tennessee State. You touched on it with regards to uh, the guard play, and we started to see, especially guard play around this time of the year, guys tend to tighten it up. Uh, uh, with regards to uh, assist turnover ratio. That's one of the things I really kind of pay attention towards uh, as we get toward uh, February and we start chugging along towards conference play where a lot of those uh, mistakes that you made in the early part of January, mid-January, those things start to get cleaned up around this time of year. So I'm curious as to if that has been part of Tennessee State's turnaround. Huge weekend uh, this upcoming weekend with regards to the, the two teams that they play, but has the guard play uh, changed enough to where they can start stringing some victories uh, together? Yeah, I'm interested to see what they're going to do tonight uh, and then on Saturday. They have a chance to really make a statement. We will we'll come back uh, next week and give you some indication of just what they did. With that being said, let's go over here to Colonial, uh, give you an update in terms of what that looks like on the men's uh, women's side and score before we do that. Uh, you had A&T defeating Elon. It was funny because you got a lot of folks that were laughing as Elon came out and talked about that uh, they are rivals to North Carolina A&T. A lot of the Aggies fans were kind of, yeah, exactly, took back and laughing at that, especially when they upset the women's side. Well, the men got a little payback. Now, they won last night 66-61. But I talk about that more because A&T goes on the wrong road to Stony Brook. A&T sits in the middle of the league, sitting at 7-5. Seven and six, they're four games back uh, in terms of what that looks like as um, College of Trent, uh, Charleston sits 11 and two. They were red hot. They've kind of fallen back. They're actually tied with Hofstra. Uh, and so uh, A&T is four games back. I talk about this because we're getting ready for the playoffs. Well, the way the Colonial has it is the top four or five teams, because 13 teams, they get like a bye. You can slide into four, you get like a double bye. So it is interesting in terms of A&T, not necessarily just how well they are, but can they slide up a spot or two to get that double by? And you never know what happens in the tournament, particularly with Charleston cooling off. That was a top 25 team and started off red hot. They fall into 23 and three. So they're still solid, but who knows? Maybe it can happen. Other side is Hampton. They really are struggling uh, second year in a row in the Colonial City, six and 19 overall. Uh, three and nine. Obviously, they lost against the rival Norfolk State this past weekend when we talked about 13,000 fans plus watching that. So it's interesting to see what's going on there. So give you an update. Hampton is pulling away with AT. It's 58 oh. 50 with 155 in that game. So it's getting tight there. Uh, and uh, Southeast Missouri is pulling away from Tennessee State 57 and 44 with 310 left in the third. Uh, but in terms of the men's side of A&T, any thoughts there? Let me go back and ask you a question in regards to sliding up a spot in that four spot. How significant is that? And you mentioned the term double buy. What what exactly uh, is happening when you talk about um, a double buy? Yeah, if you remember a couple of years ago when the MEAC had like 13 teams themselves, yeah. 12 teams, your top seeds would actually get the weight essentially two games. When you get a double buy, they would jump all the way essentially to like the uh, semifinals. Semifinals. Okay. In some case, you get the one by, you jump into the quarterfinal. So they would have these opening round games similar to what you would talk about in the NCA. 
where you have teams play each other, kind of play out, and then you get into those teams that earned it during the regular season. They get that one, two seed. So obviously you're playing the bottom seeds, but uh, the fact that you can get closer to that quarterfinal, semifinal, that's always good. That means you only have to win two games, three games mm-hmm. essentially to get into uh, the tournament and win the championship. So if you can get that double by getting to semifinal versus just getting a sing- single by getting the quarterfinals, they can go yeah. a long way towards to getting some leg rest, getting a chance to really scout uh, from your coaches about who they will play uh, in terms because you get to watch those games, obviously, because you're there in the city with the tournament. So those are some things that make it interesting to me in terms of that. Let's get into it as we start to get ready to close up. Let's get into some of these MEAC games that you talked about that are going to be mm. fascinating this weekend uh, with Maryland Eastern Shore uh, as they are number one in the poll rankings. I'm fascinated to see what that looks like. They take on Norfolk State. Check out the record of these teams. You know, we talk about teams coming in there. Maryland Eastern Shore is sitting at 14-8 overall. Norfolk State is 16-7. As I told you, big weekend this past weekend as they got it done against Hampton. But in terms of the standings, you have Maryland Eastern Shore sitting at 6-1 and one in the conference. They're tied with Howard at 6-1 as well. But Norfolk State is right behind them, sitting at 5-2. and two. Um, You talk my teams playing well. Maryland Eastern Shore, the Hawks, they've won seven straight games. They lost their first conference game, but they've won stri- and just streaking along. But you have Howard that sits at six wins themselves. Norfolk State, as soon as you want to kind of bury them, put the dirt on it, they've won three go. straight and they're playing well themselves. So I'm fascinated with the matchups. Uh, it doesn't just stop on Saturday where you have Norfolk State at Maryland Eastern Shore. Maryland Eastern Shore has not lost at home, so that's something to keep your mind on. And uh, you go into uh, Monday, you have Maryland Eastern Shore at Howard. So they got to get a good one on Saturday at home, then they hit the road Monday, go down to D.C., what are your thoughts in terms of these key matchups in the MEAC uh, as things are shaping up? Huge weekend for Maryland Eastern Shore. Uh, they get to legitimize uh, where they are with regards to the standings. Uh, can they protect home court with the Spartans coming in? And then the other hot team, the other really hot team in the MEAC, they go to Howard, go to Bird Gymnasium. Uh, let's see what uh, the Hawks can do this weekend. Uh, they get the stamp of approval. They go through that, this little gauntlet this weekend in terms of being that team to beat in the MEAC. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 52. As we come to close out the show, so I'm going to let y'all get a chance to follow it up. Captain is holding on. 47 seconds left. This one is going down. It should be interesting to see what takes place there. Charles, I want to say thanks for uh, giving us some great insight to some of these matchups to keep your eyes on, giving those poll rankings. It's time for us to bid it adieu um, and follow up with you all next week as we got some good uh, basketball taking place. Let me give you um, the latest in terms of your HBCU go uh, in terms of what to watch this weekend, the 11th and the 13th, uh, Saturday, 1230 and 3 o'clock. You have Alabama State at Arkansas Pine Bluff on HBCU go. February the 13th, you have Texas Southern at Southern. Uh, those are both double headers uh, in terms of money. That'll be 5.30 and 8 o'clock, just to give you some indication there uh, with HBCU Go. Was trying to hold on just a little bit to see if I can give you some updates. 58 to 52, 41 seconds. Foul on Nia Willis uh, as Hampton is going to the free throw line to see if they can ice it there to get it done in terms of what that looks like. Uh, key matchups. Uh, in terms of those games, I uh, told you what to watch out on the MEAC. 
do not have any of them listed as television games uh, for Saturday and Sunday. So those are things. Make sure you keep on your HBCU go uh, just to get it going on that side of the house. Uh, on uh, Monday, uh, you have a gauntlet of the six games, neither one of them on uh, ESPN this weekend. So just uh, keep things going. That'll do it for us. Just thank you for listening to Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yalkaville, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU uh, Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, we'll, we will discuss uh, the latest and greatest in terms of the HBCU news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube on Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Lecture. Roy? Dismissed.